Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to another episode of The Warning Woods. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. Reviews help spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Thomas Tridel, and this story is called Timothy Bones. Let me tell you about life in Bonefield. It's a little town near the Cape in Massachusetts that some say dates back to the original colonies. It certainly has that historic feel when you walk down the one main street that serves as a spine for the town. It's more of a village, really, and its name isn't actually Bonefield, it's Bonfeld, which is a German name. It's pretty rare that I hear that name spoken, though. To just about everyone who calls this place home, it's Bonefield. And the unofficial mayor of Bonefield is Mr. Bones himself, Timothy Bones. Now old Timothy Bones doesn't have an office you can visit or an address to write to. You can't call him, you won't bump into him in the street or at the town events. Heck, we didn't even vote for him. No one would have. Yet, Timothy Bones runs this town just the same. His legend supposedly goes back, again, to the colonial days. The version I was told growing up was that somebody bad, a real evil sort, would come into town at night and grab a kid that was out playing or doing chores after dark. Those kids would never be seen again, dead or alive. In order to keep the kids safe, a nursery rhyme was written to scare them. Let me tell you, if I had been a little taught back then, Boy, it would have scared me out of going outside ever again. You want to hear it? It goes like this. Children, you know that you never should roam. Lock up your doors and stay in your homes. For when the night comes, the darkness enthrones. Clickety-clackety, Timothy Bones. Upon his dark cloud as black as the night, he searches for children who haven't done right. A bag in his left hand, a spear in his right. No one can escape when they land in his sight. Children do not make your poor mother's moan. Stay behind doors, hiding quietly at home. He comes in the night, the streets he does comb. Clickety-clackety, Timothy Bones. Your friends who've gone missing would tell you it's true. They'd plea and they'd beg you to heed these words, too. Follow his guidance, whatever you do. Follow this wisdom, or he'll follow you. Children speak not in your whispering tones. He'll hear you and find you, even in your home. He'll catch you and cook you. He'll boil you with stones. Clickety-clackety, Timothy Bones. So that's the legend of Timothy Bones. There's only one problem. If Timothy Bones was some creep who took kids from the village, he would be long dead by now. Heck, his grandkids would be on death's door at the very least. But here we are, decades, if not centuries later, 
and folks in this town still won't go out at night. They still lock all their doors and windows, which they cover up too. Folks claim to have seen Mr. Bones and describe him just like he's described in the rhyme. I never questioned it growing up here, but recently I got curious. I waved the sheriff's car down on a Sunday morning. Our town isn't nearly big enough for its own police department, so the county sheriff patrols it every now and then. He waved and pulled over as he rolled down his window. What can I do for you, Bill? He asked me politely. Bill is my name, Bill Carter. Well, Sheriff, I come down with a case of curiosity, a real bad one, I told him. Maybe I've got you a remedy, Bill. What you curious about? I paused a moment to make sure nobody was loitering within earshot before I told him. Timothy Bones. Now the sheriff got a complicated look on his face. He seemed sort of nervous, like he wanted to tell me something he knew better than to tell me. But he also looked a little sympathetic. I imagine at some time, probably before he wore that gold star near his heart, that he too had come down with a case of curiosity courtesy of Mr. Bones. You a God-fearing man, Bill? He asked me. In my own sort of way, I guess. You got a Bible at least? I told him I did. Well, the Bible don't make mention of our Timothy Bones. I'm inclined to disbelieve anything that's not in the Bible. The sheriff's face implied he had more to say, but I could tell he was struggling to summon the words to say it. Finally, he did. Sometimes I wonder if Timothy Bones is a horseman. Pardon? I asked, genuinely confused by his statement. A horseman, he repeated. One of the four horsemen of the GD apocalypse. Well, that just doesn't seem right, I thought out loud. No disrespect, Sheriff, but where's the apocalypse then? Didn't Mr. Bones come around here before the declaration was signed? That he did, that he did, the sheriff sighed and stared at the windshield. I don't know, Bill. I'm just spitballing. I'll tell you what, if you get to the bottom of who or what Timothy Bones is, give me a call. I'd venture to guess you and I aren't the only ones wondering. Well, how come nobody talks about him then? I asked. The sheriff just shrugged. People get scared, Bill. They scare real easy. We shared a few more parting words, and the sheriff went on his way. Later on, I was sitting in front of the TV, not paying attention to whatever the talking head on channel Who Cares was saying. I couldn't get my mind off Mr. Bones. I sifted through the nursery rhyme for clues as to who or what he might have been, or might be. My motion sensor porch light flickered on, and it lit up the blackout curtain drawn behind me. It nearly made me jump. The sudden change was ill-timed as I was pondering the fabled child harvester of Bonefield. I allowed a moment for a good laugh at myself before moving to check the peephole at my front door. It was too late for visitors. No one ever stepped out of their own house after sunset. Not since I can remember, anyway. I saw no one, as expected, and almost returned to the couch. Instead, I decided to forego the caution instilled in me from childhood and open the door. I wasn't a naughty kid anymore. If Timothy Bones really was floating on his dark cloud out there, what would he want with me anyway? I still found myself unlocking the door and opening it slowly, cautiously wary of the click of the latch and the hinges squeals. Then I saw it, standing right on my porch. Just in front of me was a cat.
I recognized it as my neighbor's orange tabby and assumed the poor little guy hadn't made curfew and got locked out. I shooed him away and hoped old Tim Bones didn't have a taste for felines. Then I did return to my couch. I fell asleep wondering why we all stayed hidden from a monster that hadn't been seen since the Revolutionary War. I woke with a plan. It was a terrible plan. Horrible, really. I'm ashamed to admit my mind is the one that dreamed it up. My curiosity had become a force to be reckoned with, though. Plus, if the plan worked and I revealed Timothy Bones to be nothing more than a fictitious yarn spun to keep kids in line, the reward would be well worth the risk. I would be celebrated, I thought. I would be the man who freed an entire town from centuries worth of fear. I went to the school after classes ended for the day and crossed the yard to the maintenance shed. Sure enough, I found a group of four kids sharing a pack of camels back there. I knew they'd be there because that's where you would have found me after school in my day. They were all early teens, probably 13 or 14. They were much too young to be taking up the habit, but kids with rebel sensibilities were just what I needed. When I relayed my plan to these four youngsters, one called me some names I'd rather not repeat and walked away immediately. Two of the others seemed hesitant, but intrigued. The fourth, clearly the group's leader of sorts, was all in though. When I described the opportunity to go out at night and potentially get a look at the infamous Timothy Bones, his eyes shone with excitement. He agreed to every part of the plan, and his cronies followed suit. We wasted no time. Each of the boys went home and retrieved empty cans and bottles from the trash. We reconvened at my house, where I had also collected some metal objects as well as two long lengths of string. We got to work tying all the junk along the strings to function as alarms. We finished well before sunset, and I sent two of the boys to either end of Main Street to mount the alarms across the road. Since Tim Bones was said to fly, I wasn't totally sure he would hit the string and rattle the cans, but I didn't tell the boys that. To some extent, their survival depended on those cans. Everyone went home until dark. We agreed to kick things off at midnight. I would have started earlier, but I think the leader boy enjoyed the thrill of a midnight escapade. When he suggested the hour, I didn't argue. The town was dark and quiet as always. I periodically peeked through my curtains to make sure. I felt nervous for the first time during that long period between sunset and midnight. I'd been able to keep the anxiety at bay with excitement earlier. I had fed off that energy of the leader boy. But as I sat alone in the dark, I began contemplating possibilities I hadn't before. We were potentially playing with something quite dangerous. At exactly midnight, I heard the first noise from outside. The leader boy appeared in the middle of Main Street. He was holding a pot above his head and banging on it with a metal spoon. As he paced in the street, making this racket, he half sang and half screamed verses from the Timothy Bones rhyme. Children you know that you never should roam. Lock up your doors and stay in your homes. For when the night comes, the darkness enthrones, clickety-clackety, Timothy Bones. I watched the dark corners of the neighborhood, hoping to see the other two boys emerge at any second. Upon his dark cloud, as black as the night, he searches for children who haven't done right. A bag in his left hand, a spear in his right. No one can escape when they land in his sight. 
Lights started pouring through curtains up and down the street as people were woken up by the noise. Everyone was peeking out to see what was going on, but no one came out to stop it. It was something we had factored in when making the plan. We knew their fear would keep them from interfering. Children do not make your poor mothers moan. Stay behind doors, hiding quietly at home. He comes in the night, the streets he does comb. Clickety-clackety, Timothy. The boy's voice trailed off, fading into the night. From my window, I watched him spin around in the street. The pot and spoon dropped to his side. In the sudden silence, I heard the dying rattle of the cans. Something had tripped our alarm. I rapped frantically on my window, but the boy paid no attention. He stood frozen in the street with a blank expression on his face. It was unnerving to see the boy who had been so animated just moments before struck by this trance-like state. I left the window and opened my front door. I shouted to the lad, Come on, come inside! But he still wouldn't hear me. I'm not sure if he was truly deaf to my voice, or if whatever held him in that trance just wouldn't allow him to act. I couldn't wait any longer, so I acted for him. I ran into the street and wrapped my arms around the boy in a bear hug. As I dragged him back towards my door, I looked down the street. Even in the total blackness of night, I could see something blacker moving at the end of the road. It billowed like smoke, but with much more intention. It towered above the houses, a threatening column of pure evil. The shroud accelerated toward us as I pulled the boy onto my porch. I practically threw him on the floor as we got through the door, which I slammed behind me. I immediately shut off the lights and whispered to the boy to stay quiet. He seemed to be emerging from his trance. I guess being dropped onto hardwood was enough to wake him up. It doesn't matter, the boy whispered dejectedly. I asked him what he meant. It doesn't matter if we're quiet. He knows I'm here. He knows how to find me. Right on cue, the motion sensor light flickered on outside. I pushed the boy behind me, and we just stared stupidly at the door. The edges glowed from the light outside, but not steadily. The glow shifted and faded like someone was dancing between the bulb and the door. There was a strange noise coming from outside the door, too. It was a sort of sharp, crackling sound, almost like fire. No, not fire bones. It was the horrific popping and cracking of ancient joints. It was bony fingers clicking together. It was the arduous opening of a stiff jaw. Clickety-clackety. The smoke stuff started creeping through the cracks in the door, totally blacking out the light from outside. He's coming in, the boy cried. The sound of bones breaking apart came from the other side of the door as the smoke came through faster and thicker. We slowly moved further and further back. I heard the most disgusting sounds yet as the column of smoke reformed in my entryway. The cloud hid the creature inside it as the bones came back together. We had our backs to the wall now. The only escape from the entryway was blocked by the swirling shroud before us. Leave us alone. Get out! The boy screamed. I was too afraid to make a sound. A throaty rattle emanated from the black cloud and a hideous face burst forth from it. It was gruesomely contorted and scarred. Its skin was a revolting shade of gray and had a slimy sheen. 
Two reptilian yellow eyes were sunk deep into its hideous skull. The jaw cracked and popped again as the ghastly head was split nearly ear to ear with an unholy smile. I smelled its rotten breath as the demon repeated its insidious growl. The boy clung to my arm and buried his face in my shoulder. There was nowhere to run. All at once, the demon flew toward us, bringing its black cloud with it. I remember letting out a scream, but it was totally silent in the unnatural, smoky shroud. I clenched my eyes shut, expecting a terrible pain that would never come. I felt the boy release my arm, and I fell to the ground. The sounds of cracking bones and demonic growling surrounded me. They were deafening. The rotten breath filled my nose, my mouth, my throat. It was suffocating. I thought I might choke or vomit before it vanished. All at once, the sounds, the smells, and the shroud disappeared from my entryway. With hesitation, I opened my eyes and got up on my knees. The boy was gone. I called his name but got the response I expected. Total silence. Faintly from outside, I heard the cans rattle again. Timothy Bones had gone. He took with him his first catch in centuries. The following morning, no one was surprised when the boy couldn't be found. They had all seen him in the street the nights before. They knew what happened to him. There was no missing poster made. No police report was filed. The only person who cried was his mother. The other boys, the ones who had bailed, stayed silent about my role in the whole thing. I don't know why. I can only speculate they didn't want even the slightest thing to do with what happened that night. I almost wished they would tell everyone, though. Whatever punishment the town brought upon me would be a welcome relief from the self-inflicted torment I felt and still feel to this day. I had allowed a child to be consumed by the demon known in these parts as Timothy Bones. I had sacrificed him to soothe my own curiosity. I'm an old man now, and never again did a child test their fate after the sun went down. I'm writing this story in hopes that continues after I'm gone. Children, you know that you never should roam. Lock up your doors and stay in your homes. For when the night comes, the darkness enthrones. Clickety-clackety, Timothy Bones. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the Anchor Support link in the description, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.